Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, hello, and welcome to Food Network Obsessed. This is the podcast where we dish on all things food with your favorite chefs, food influencers, and Food Network stars. I'm your host, Jamie Sire, and today we have a Forbes 30 Under 30 recipe developer sharing her rise to plant-based popularity and current obsessions. She's an author, television host, and the culinary content creator behind Dada Eats. It's Sama Dada. Sama, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you, Jamie. Thanks for having me. I'm well. I'm doing well. It's a, a nice day in Brooklyn, and we're just vibing this morning. Yeah, fellow Brooklynite over here as well. <laughs> and yeah, you are thriving, by the way. So many accomplishments that we're going to get to. And you are well known for your social media handle, Dada Eats. Take me through kind of the evolution of that, like when you first started the account to what you're doing now, creating culinary content. Sure. Well, first of all, it was all kind of an accident, Jamie. I never really set out to have Dada Eats be what it is today. But I think when, you know, like when you look back and you see hindsight, it really is like it all kind of checks out. So I was really interested in television and food separately. So I thought I wanted to be like a reporter and Mm -hmm. work in TV production and and maybe be on camera in some capacity in entertainment or lifestyle news. But at the same time, I was always obsessed with food. My parents are Indian immigrants. So food has always been a really huge, huge part of my life and my upbringing. Having dinner was like a non-negotiable together. (laughs) Every single night, it was like, you just got to be there. But I think like Dada Eats, I I actually, I interned for a summer at CNN in television. Mm -hmm. And it was my first time spending so much time in New York. And I ate through the city, like no one's was, it was actually, it was crazy. I don't even know. It was like, I was taken over by like the New York city food gods. (laughs) And I just, I was just obsessed with the food scene, obsessed with the landscape. 
And I was taking all these photos of food and I had nowhere to put them. So I just put them on Instagram. This was 2015. It wasn't mm-hmm. really normal at that time. It was like, that's kind of weird, you know, <laughs> like a separate account for your food. But it kind of gradually became what it is today. I just kept posting, you know, food, my recipes. Actually, in college, I created a little series on food in the Mission District of San Francisco. So that kind of tied together that like food TV thing that I didn't even think about until, you know, I was well into my career in food television and media. But yeah, I had Dada Eats. I ended up moving to New York. This is a long story. I I love it. I'm like not. We have time. (laughs) Making this brief. (laughs) But I ended up moving to New York to join the NBC Page program. And Mm -hmm. if people aren't familiar with that, it is a rotational program within NBC. And you work The Tonight Show, Jimmy Fallon, SNL. You also give the NBC studio tour. It's really like the graduate school of TV. It was Mm -hmm. amazing. But all this time, I was just putting my recipes up as a hobby I ended up getting a job at the at the Today Show as a production assistant. I was running scripts, getting up at three in the morning, going to work at four, working in the control room. I'd come back at two. I'd cook for Dada Eats, <laughs> go to sleep at eight, do it again. Um, and at that time, like I had developed and, and amassed a bit of an audience, which was super cool. From I was literally not thinking that much of it. I was like, mm-hmm. that's really cool. And I'm honored that people are here to follow what I'm making and eating. The producers of the Today Show found my account. I never pitched myself. I was just, I was honestly scared. I was like bottom of the totem pole. Like <laughs> Nobody was like thinking like, oh, this is like our next food person. They found my my blog and they're like, I don't, they're like, we don't understand. Like, why aren't you on the show as a guest? And I was like, seems like your call. Like, <laughs> would love to though. And yeah, I did my first segment when I was 23. I did six segments that first year. I signed a book deal the next year and wow. just kind of been... <laughs> Writing with it since. It's been like a a rocket ship ever since, it seems like. (laughs) How would you describe your cooking style to somebody that's not familiar with you? Yeah, I mean, I like to describe my cooking style as accidentally plant-based, which is kind of (laughs) funny because I never really consciously set out to make my food plant-based, plant-forward, vegetarian, vegan. It was kind of a result and a byproduct of me choosing really minimal ingredients to cook with pairing everything down, even with my baking. So at that time, like 2015, 2016, I was baking with almond flour and coconut flour. You couldn't find that stuff at Trader Joe's. Obviously now it's so (laughs) accessible, but people like one of my most common questions was like, what is almond flour? And the reason I used it was because I just liked the idea that it was just almonds. It was very simple. Mm -hmm. When I was at Berkeley, I, I really got invested and interested in my health and wellness. And I started working out and I started paying attention to what I was putting into my body. And I kind of set out to make things very minimal, minimally minimally processed. And I think at the same time, I always ran up against this like all or nothing mentality. So it's like, if I'm healthy, I can't have a cookie or like, if I like, you know, the only way that I can feed myself nourishing food is if I'm eating a salad every day. And I just Mm. was so that just didn't make sense to me because like I need cookies to function. So like, <laughs> how am I going to balance the two? Okay. So let me figure out how do I make, how to make recipes and make delicious nourishing food, but with very minimal ingredients that everyone can enjoy. And by the way, like I'm not going out and advertising the fact that like, this is a dairy-free, gluten-free, like vegan cook. I, mm. It's just like, you don't say broccoli is vegan. Like, oh, here's some vegan broccoli. It just like is what it is. And I like to make sure that my recipes are very inclusive. And that's an amazing byproduct that people who have preferences or like dietary restrictions can eat my food and feel like they can really enjoy it. 
What is your go-to cookie of choice? Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I, (laughs) (laughs) so if anyone is familiar with my brand or my social media presence, I'm obsessed with dates, not the romantic (laughs) ones, the ones you eat. And I just made these pistachio date cookies a couple weeks ago. And I feel like that's been my go-to and they're delicious and I love them. What are some of the most versatile vegetables that you like cooking with? Wow, that's a good question. I mean, I think there's there's so many. I'm really lucky because I grew up in an Indian household and I never had to really learn to love my vegetables. I know a lot of kids, it's like, oh, it's a Brussels sprout. Like, ah, I'm going to like have a like freak out about it. But I just, you know, my mom, credit to her, like always cooked very plant-based. We always had a lot of chickpeas on the table and chana masala. We had a lot of sogs and, and, and very like veggie forward dishes and recipes that were just really flavorful and amazing. I think these days I've been really liking cooking with eggplant. I think there's so much you can do with it. You could make a bag and bertha, which is like a eggplant masala, but you can also, you know, dredge and bread it and bake it or fry it into like delicious. I make it with like a little masala, like seasoning and it's just like really delicious. So I love eggplant. I, lo- I love all veggies. I-, I love carrots. I've been roasting carrots and making carrot hummus. I think there's just a lot can you can really do with veggies and that's kind of one of my my main goals of my my work is to show people that it doesn't have to be boring like it doesn't have to be just um like steamed zucchini steamed broccoli with like salt and pepper there's so much you can do with veggies to make them stars well on that note i mean if there's you know obviously there's a lot of people out there that don't like vegetables like what do you think that mm-hmm. they are doing wrong or or maybe haven't experienced yet that that really will like maybe change their mind i guess <laughs> yeah spice like <laughs> nobody is using spice and i don't mean seasoning like salt and pepper i'm talking about turmeric i'm talking about cumin mm-hmm. i'm talking about cayenne i mean i'm very lucky like i said i i grew up with these spices and i i think i have I know how to work with them. And I think that's a big hurdle. A lot of people get really intimidated by spice and don't really know how to use it. And that's like a, a, a really big part of what I do in my my cookbook is show people how to use spice in a way that is really simple. It's not that it's not that challenging. I think once you learn that there are no mistakes in the kitchen and you're just kind of experimenting and learning how to work with different ingredients, it becomes a lot easier to have that confidence. But mm-hmm. I would say one of the biggest things is definitely definitely spice. Uh, you, you mentioned your mom. Do you, do you kind of credit her with like, I guess this, this spark and this interest in, in food and cooking? I love my mom. She's the best. Shout out to my mom. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. You know, I grew up in a family of very incredible cooks. My grandma was an incredible cook. My aunt had an Indian restaurant in Australia. But I think when it comes to my nuclear family, I was always interested in what my mom was doing in the kitchen. I was always like, I don't understand how she's just tossing spices. And and by the way, like, I think this is pretty common with Indian families in general. Like, they're just tossing things in like there's no measurement like (laughs) no recipe no recipe like my mom has never touched a measuring cup in her life and it's one of those things where you know she'll always say she's like sometimes it turns out a little bit differently every time but it's still amazing it's still delicious and I think she taught me how to work with andaz which is sort of like to your taste so you add things and season to taste which is one of the most important things in cooking is taste along the way add what you need to add and really try to trust your taste and your palate because that is your best guide in the kitchen. But yeah, I would definitely say my mom was a huge influence on 
my interest in food just because she would cook every single night. We weren't a takeout family. Like occasionally we would obviously go out to dinner, which is lucky and experience and fun. But I would say most majority of the days of the week she was cooking. And yeah, every day it was, it was Indian food. (laughs) Do you, do you remember the first thing that you learned to cook? Yeah. Kraft mac and cheese. <laughs> is that cooking? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that like delicious orange powdery substance. Of course. What is it? We still don't know. <laughs> we don't. It's delicious and addictive. Yeah. And <laughs> I remember that was an early memory. And also, and it's funny because these like aren't Indian things. It's just like my earliest memories sure. of like that childhood food. Like, I grew up in California. I didn't like, you know, I didn't have um, a direct line to my grandma. Also melting Kraft cheese on broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> like what it's so funny though because now I'm like I'm mostly plant-based I I try to stay away for, from dairy and things like that so you know it's funny that craft craft was a huge part of my upbringing <laughs> I guess so weird that's hilarious no I love it. I mean I think you know, you're speaking to a lot of people listening right now I'm sure that was also their first thing that's that they, the real story yeah Jamie. I'm, not like gonna, I'm not gonna gloss it up for you You're like, like <laughs> i learned how to make uh masala yeah, like, masala was not my first dish like <laughs> let's just be honest I'm gonna keep it real <laughs> i love that i mean you mentioned that you you guys like had dinner together every night what were some of the other traditions that you grew up in your household with yeah i mean i think that that was a really big one. Like we never sat in front of the TV to eat. We always waited for everybody to be at the table, whether we had homework or whether we had like different extracurricular activities, it was always dinner every day. And I think it's kind of interesting because, you know, when I talk to friends or other people that isn't, I mean, that's, you know, a lot of people have that similar experience, but there's also a lot of people who didn't have that experience growing up. And I think it created this ritual around eating and around food where even when I'm by myself or if I'm cooking for one, you know, like I sit down, I'm mindful about it. I like have, I'm not distracted and I just enjoy my food. And I think it's, there's really something to be said about eating without another distraction or something going on behind you because it really allows you to appreciate everything that's going on. I would say that was the biggest ritual. I mean, oh, another, I guess another food ritual, which didn't, doesn't really have anything to do with cooking, but it's some of my earliest memories is we grew up in Southern or I grew up in Southern California. I say we, cause I'm thinking about my sister, but <laughs> we would always take bagels to the beach and just like sit there and eat bagels. And I remember <laughs> I used to be obsessed with these jalapeno cheddar bagels. There's a lot of cheese in my upbringing. <laughs> so I'm like realizing this all now. This is like a therapy session, Jamie. I love Thank it. You. I love it. Yes. Like um, sit back. Yeah. Yes. Sit back and relax. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think that was like a core memory. We'd bring like orange juice and bagels and like grapes and like you got a little, little sand in your mouth and it was just part of the whole California experience. <laughs> uh, I, with all that in mind, when, when you're developing recipes, how how do you bring, you know, together this this new plant-based approach that you've kind of, like you said, accidentally fell into with, you know, the flavors of your Indian heritage and also just, you know, all of the flavors of where you've lived throughout your life? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel really lucky because I've had, not only have I had an amazing like home life around food with my mom cooking and having that be such a core part of my, my upbringing, but also I spent a few years in London in high school for my dad's work. He got transferred over there. So we all kind of went 
And I think I grew up in Orange County, California. Like I didn't actually have a big Indian community at all. I honestly was the only brown person I knew, which I think sometimes was challenging for me because I didn't feel connected to my community. And I didn't really find that until like, honestly, the last like two years of my life. But I think that when I moved to London, it's such a diverse scene there, both in people and food. And it was the first time that I had had Lebanese food and the first time that I had had like really incredible Indian food out. And obviously there's a lot, there's a huge Indian population there. And I think it was really eye-opening for me with my my kind of culinary experience and background because it just showed me there was so much more. And obviously what's really nice and it's I'm so grateful that I had this opportunity, but you know, you're you're so close to so many other European countries and like just being able to have that proximity to different places to go that I had never been before. And it just showed me that there was so much more than what I was seeing in like my little Orange County bubble. And it had a lot of influence on my my work and my food. I didn't grow up in India. So I think I've always felt neither here nor there. Like I don't really feel super Indian, but I also know I don't feel super American. I've kind of had this balancing act of my my culture and, and kind of figuring out where I belong. And I know that's not just my experience. That's like a very third culture kid experience. And so when I think for a really long time, I tried to water down my heritage and my Indianness to please more of a Western palate. I did this a lot at the beginning of my my career with Dada Eats because I wanted to, I'm I'm a bit of a reformed people pleaser. And I wanted to make <laughs> sure that everyone, you know, could could sort of digest what I was serving them. That was a lot of puns in one sentence. <laughs> I just like I love heard it. myself say that. Love a good um, food pun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that as I've gotten further along in my career, I realized that like I'm the person that should be telling these stories. Like mm-hmm. I have that experience that a lot of people can relate to. And I think I've started infusing and, and not just started, but I over the course of my career, I, you know, started making Indian food the way that like I would make it. And I think for a long time, even my mom, like, is there going to be an auntie that's going to be like mad at me for using <laughs> coconut milk instead of cream? But I think that's just the way that I make it. And a lot of people can make their interpretations of dishes that they saw on their table growing up. And I felt a lot more confident bringing that to the table now than then. Yeah. Was there anything in particular that kind of, you know, sparked that that shift? Or was it just something, you know, that developed over time? Like, like you said, they kind of gaining that confidence and, and and kind of finding yourself. Yeah. I mean, I think, and I'm not sure why nobody really talks about this enough, but the act of putting stuff on the internet every single day for somebody else's and potentially large groups consumption is so vulnerable. You are literally putting out your projects, your thoughts, your feelings, your food out for other people to consume. And it is so quantifiable with whether or not people quote unquote like it. Like I and I think that was so interesting for me to get over at the start of my career because like I said, 2015, it was pretty early. I don't think there was necessarily a huge as at least as much as it is now, this huge notion of like an influencer or like a content creator. It just wasn't like that those days at all. So Mm -hmm. I think it was such a learning curve to get to a point where you're just like, you know what? It actually doesn't matter. Like I'm gonna do what makes me feel happy, what I feel like is contributing to the space and to the conversation around food. And I think also what really 
made me feel more confident in it is I get a lot of messages from young Indian girls who say that they don't see a lot of people who look like me in this space and Mm -hmm. that it makes them feel seen. And that to me is like the biggest compliment ever, ever, ever. If I can have one person say that to me, like I'm set. I don't even care how many it is, but that's what I wanted as a kid because I didn't see myself represented like on the Disney channel Mm -hmm. (laughs) or like I literally princess Jasmine in Aladdin was like, there was a fusion obviously of like a lot of different <laughs> cultures right sure. but I was like wow that is the closest to somebody that like I might look like and I was her for seven Halloweens so like <laughs> you know I think representation has become a really really core pillar of my work and I think that's why I feel so lucky to also work in 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 tv and media because as a young Indian woman like it is it it is really cool to try and carve that path for other people to feel like they can do it too, you know? Yeah, no, representation is so important. We've talked about that on, you know, several episodes of this podcast even. I mean, what is it like for you, I guess, to in a sense be that Jasmine for somebody else, you know? (laughs) I mean, it's kind of, I don't know. Somebody asked me the other day if it feels like a lot of pressure to to be that person. And of course, it's not just me. So I want to acknowledge that there's a lot of other Indian Mm -hmm. people in the space creating food and, and, you know, kind of being that person. But at least for me, like, I'm just, I'm really grateful to have a platform. I don't take it for granted. I don't think it's like, it doesn't give me any sort of sense of like self-importance. It just, to me, I'm just doing something that I'm really passionate about. And I'm grateful that people want to follow along on it. It just, it feels very, I think the space can feel really self-indulgent at times. And I try to just I try to just stick to the craft and stick to what people can use at home. And yeah, I think my purpose is really to show people how to cook, to be a a person that they can see themselves in. And yeah, I've started focusing a lot more on mental health and, and positivity as well, because yeah, I think there's also this, everyone wants to show the best parts of themselves and like, not everyone's having a good day all the time. Right. And (laughs) I am so conscious of that. Like, I don't have good days every day. Like, I'm a really positive person. I'm lucky that my brain is wired in that way. But like, I have bad days too. And I get down on myself and I'm hard on myself too. And I think I like talking about that now because I want people to feel less alone. How how do you balance that though? Because, you know, obviously, and you've mentioned it and, and, you know, I've experienced it as well, like social media or just like the internet in general can be you know, it can be a, a, you know, pressure packed place or a mean place at times. Like, how do you just kind of like block that out and and stay true to, you know, what's important to you? What makes you happy? What, what you want to post about? Yeah. I mean, I think that takes a lot of inner work, right? Like it takes a lot of time and patience to sit with yourself and say like, okay, what am I doing this for? Who am I creating for? Am I doing this for somebody else? Or am I doing this for myself? And like, I think there's, it's kind of twofold, right? I I try to provide value with everything that I do, whether it is talking about mental health, whether it is sharing recipes, but at the same time, I want to have fun too. And I think people sense that, like people can sense if you're enjoying yourself or you feel like you're putting on a front. And I mean, unfortunately for me, I'm really the same online and offline. So (laughs) it is not like, I just can't, I just try to remain as authentic as possible because that's the most important thing. And you know, if I'm being true to myself, then other people will hopefully see that there's value in what I have to say and share. And I think the space is so saturated now too. And yeah, it is a lot of pressure and it's, 
I would be so, I would be lying to you if I said that sometimes I don't feel like I'm on a hamster wheel, like doing this thing and trying <laughs> to figure out how to, you know, help more people and, and have my work reach more and do more for others. But I think it's just all about patience. I've been telling myself a lot. I think, especially when you live in New York and any sort of metropolitan city, there's, I mean, I think New York is kind of on a different level, but I think everyone feels like they're in a rush to do stuff and <laughs> to keep going and to not stop and to not give themselves breaks. And when I worked in TV, I think I definitely felt that way. I was working basically two jobs. I was not sleeping. I loved both of the jobs I was doing, but I think it's really important to give yourself time to to rest because that's productive to your to your journey as well, which I don't think I answered the question, but <laughs> I just went off. No, I, I think you, I think you answered it in, <laughs> in the way that you only can, you know, cool. I mean, I think, but I think that that's, and that's a great thing about a podcast, right? Like, I think it is, you know, just a discussion about a, a lot of different things. And I love hearing, you know, your perspective on it because yeah, I mean, it is, it is a very saturated space. And there are so many people, you know, even trying to break into it now and, and, and build their following and, and that kind of thing. Like what, what advice would you give to people that are, are aspiring to, to do the things that you've done, you know, in that space? Yeah. I mean, don't try and be anyone else. Like just don't, because I think what happens with social media is that everyone is so readily available to be viewed. Like you can really just see everybody, see what everyone is up to. And I think it really lends itself to this heavy comparison mentality in society where we're always just like looking around us to see what other people are doing and then making it, making ourselves feel bad about what we're not doing. And so I think what's been really helpful for me and what I would tell other people is just to really block out all of the noise and just do what makes you happy and do what makes you feel good. Because whether it is you wanting to build a community around your work or whether it is you just wanting to venture into something new, this started as a passion project for me. It wasn't ever meant to be my work. And maybe it would have ended up being my work down the line, but this was just not the way I expected it to happen. I think just I had so much love in it from the beginning, like for it in the beginning with no expectation of what it was going to be. So I think just abandoning your expectations and just doing what feels good and not looking around so much. I, this is like probably the most talked about quote ever, but like comparison really is the thief of joy. It, like is. it really <laughs> is like any time that I am, I catch myself in a comparison cycle or whatever. I'm like, wow, this is, I could be using all of this energy <laughs> to pour into myself. Like, why am I worrying about what is going on around me? So I think that's probably my most important tip. When you catch yourself in one of those cycles, like comparing yourself to others, like how do you, how do you like snap out of it? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I, I am a big proponent of if you're in a certain mind space and you're feeling down on yourself or you're feeling like you're comparing yourself, removing yourself from whatever environment you're in. I love a walk. I love a mental health walk, mm -hmm. uh, calling a friend, calling a loved one, getting yourself physically out of that headspace does wonders. I think there's literally no times in my life where I've gone for a walk and felt worse, you know, <laughs> even so if it's 1% better, 0.5, like it doesn't matter. It really gets you out of your headspace. It gets your body moving, like get stuff flowing. And yeah. And I think reminding yourself too, there's room for everybody. Every Nobody knows that by the way, Jamie, <laughs> people don't know that there's room for everybody. Like you can do whatever you want to do. Nobody's stopping you, but you. So I think like just keeping that in mind and just, and, and in like a kind way, everyone is irrelevant to your path. 
Like, of course, you're going to have amazing friends and mentors and people who help you out along the way. But the comparison part is just, it, it's not helpful. It's not helpful. How, how are you so wise at, at such a young age? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like thinking back to myself at your age. I'm like, wow. She I my I... mom, my mom yesterday texted me and said that same thing. And I'm feeling very lucky to have that comment said to me. She's like, you are so wise. I don't know. I just, I've done a lot of, I've done a lot of like inner work. Like, and that doesn't like, I hate that. Cause it's like, oh, that's so woo woo and like silly. But like, I've really sat with myself a lot and been like, okay, why do I feel like this way? Okay, why do I feel that way about that? You know, and then just like going into, th- thank you. I don't think, <laughs> I didn't have to answer. I didn't have to answer that. With no, anything, but no, I no. Yeah. I wanna, I, I'm I curious. Lot. I want to know. I care <laughs> a lot about my mental health. I care a lot about the mental health of everyone around me. That's why like every day I start my whole social media presence with like reminders for the day for everybody to feel like they can have a grasp on the day. It's hard sometimes to go through life and move through life. Everyone faces so many different challenges. So it's like, I think, I don't know, making making everyone know that just like, just because I have some sort of online community, which I'm so blessed to have and feel grateful for, does not like absolve me from feeling bad some days and feeling sad or whatever. But yeah, I try to, I try to live in, in some sort of positive mind space it helps no i think that that's uh, an important reminder for for a lot of people is there like a recipe or or something that you love to cook when like when you kind of need that pick me up too that just like like is that comfort or just you know homey feeling for you mm, that's a good question i think there's a couple ones well first of all if i'm feeling really <laughs> i'm feeling down i won't cook i'll be like <laughs> i'll be like Summer, you deserve a break. <laughs> like it's time. Deserve like, a little treat. <laughs> yes, like sit on your couch and order takeout or like go pick up something or go call a friend. So actually I do think that's really helpful for people in this space is like it can be it can be tough to separate the two. I mean, I I started cooking and baking, I mean, for my whole life, but also because I loved it and I was passionate about sharing food and sharing inclusive recipes to my friends and to my loved ones. And I think when it becomes your work, you have to be so conscious of of taking those breaks and having that space away from it so that you can continue to love it. Because I think, you know, I've talked to some of my peers and friends and it becomes a chore after a while. And I'm like, I never want that to be my relationship to something that I love so much. So I think, yeah, when I'm feeling like tired and sort of over it, I'm like, you know what, we're gonna like get some pizza or something like that, you know. <laughs> but in terms of like a comfort food, I would say like I love desserts. I've been making a lot of no bake desserts these days because New York summers are yeah. super brutal Oof. and I hate the heat. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm like such a I'm truly I complain. I'm such a drama queen about the heat. But <laughs> I just made these no bake brownie truffles the other day and they're super simple and delicious. And yeah, I that's a anything with chocolate, let's be honest, gets me out of the, gets me out of the funk. (laughs) Where, where is your go-to like takeout order in, you know, don't feel like cooking place. I, oh my gosh, this is, we, we might just take up the length of this podcast (laughs) or the rest of it. Bring it on. I love hummus. Like I love hummus. It's not normal. I don't think (laughs) I I post hummus memes once a week. People are like, is she okay? (laughs) I recently, and this isn't a takeout spot. So I'm just going to like flip your question because I I could think of a million different things, but I went to this restaurant called Shuket a couple of weeks ago. Have you been there? So good. It's so, so I actually went on good. like the hottest day last summer and had to sit outside and their AC was broken, but I still like, was like, this is the most 
like wonderful meal. <laughs> I'm obsessed with it because from start to finish, the, okay, the tahini soft serve. Did you get the tahini uh, soft serve? I don't know if we, Jamie, I, you have to. You have I to don't, go back. I, there was definitely a soft serve situation at the end, okay. but I don't know. I don't remember it being tahini. Okay. Well, it's time. I need to go back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we can go. Okay. Let's go. I love that place. The shawarma spice fries, the hummus, the, they have this amazing Moroccan bread and then the tahini soft serve. I've been really obsessed with it recently. And so I've been going there for like, I just love Mediterranean food, Middle mm-hmm. Eastern food. It just is very comforting for me. Obviously Indian food as well. I've also been getting a lot of dosas and I, there's this place in kind of a random part of town. I think it's kind of more Murray Hill area, but it's called Ahimsa and they, it's all a vegetarian restaurant and they have an incredible paper dosa that I've been getting. So mm. those are some two comfort favorites for sure. Okay. All right. Everybody take notes for take sure. Take notes. <laughs> Coming up next, Sama talks about her inspiration behind making masala scrambled eggs for the foodnetwork.com series, Crack an Egg With. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Also, people may have seen you on Crack and Egg with on foodnetwork.com. You whipped up some masala scrambled eggs for that dish. What what inspired that? That was so fun. I had a great time with that. But so these masala scrambled eggs have been like the Sunday breakfast for my entire life growing up. We would get sourdough bread, toast it till it becomes like a literal cracker, and eat it with these masala scrambled eggs and Yeah, it's just like a a core breakfast memory that my mom would make like every weekend. And 
yeah, it's delicious. It's easy. I think also it's kind of a fun way to add spice into your morning and to your eggs. Also, spices are so healthy for you and so flavorful and they just do so much um, for your body. And yeah, it's just like one of my favorite breakfast breakfasts. <laughs> can we can people see that in your cookbook or is tell us what the cookbook entails and what people can find in it? Yeah. So my cookbook is called Dada Eats Love to Cook It and it has a hundred plus plant-based recipes. The idea behind it for me was a, a lot of different things, which was first of all, you know, at that point too, when I published it and started writing it, like the plant-based kind of thing was sort of just picking up and it was People were still a little bit skeptical of it. I think still when you see something that has like no dairy or is vegetarian, you're like, is that even going to taste good, you know? And I wanted all of the recipes in the book to really say like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Like whether if there's no meat in this, it's still going to taste really flavorful and delicious. So in the book got like starters, apps, breakfast, sides, dinner, all Indian food, lots of desserts. So it's kind of it. It's got everything in there. And I wanted to think of it as a book for people who are too busy to cook. Like mm. I remember when I was working at the Today Show and working in NBC, I was so busy. I, I barely had time to take care of myself, which obviously is not a badge of honor. I'm not saying like that's a great thing because I think it's, you know, it, it's always good to to have self-care in your life. But I wanted recipes that were really easy for like a busy mom or dad mm-hmm. or like if you're just single or you're, if you're cooking for for anybody or for yourself, recipes that don't take a lot of time, but are still really nourishing and delicious. Again, like I really love paring down my, my ingredients and my recipes to minimal, just, I love using just like the purest form of everything. And I think food and, and what you put in your body and how you nourish it. And this can be like, I don't know. I think a lot of people, when they think about leading a healthier lifestyle or eating food, that's good for them. They think of salads and steamed vegetables and like chicken like you know just like plain unseasoned stuff and like I just want to really challenge that and I think the book is a lot of it's just a balance between all those things it's like feeding yourself really good food that's minimal and makes you feel good but also doesn't take too much time as a self-proclaimed perfectionist, how how was that process of, of creating a cookbook? It's funny because at that time okay so I I started writing the book when I was 24. I had wow. literally no idea what I was doing. <laughs> and I was so lucky because I, you know, my my editor DM'd me on Instagram after I had been doing a bunch of Today Show segments and was like, have you ever thought about writing a book? And I hadn't until that moment. <laughs> and I just feel so lucky. It's such a, oh my God, it's such a privilege to be able to write a book. And I just do not even take that for granted. But I went into it pretty blind, to be honest. I I didn't really know. And I didn't really have a lot of people in the space that I was close enough with who had written books at that time. So I was kind of going at it pretty alone. But I found it to be a really therapeutic process. Fortunately or unfortunately, I wrote a lot of it during COVID. Fortunately, because I had nothing else to do. So I really had to focus <laughs> on it. And unfortunately, because, you know, I couldn't do a book tour. I had to do it on Instagram Live, which was like such an LOL. <laughs> so I'm very grateful for my friends in this space who like got on an Instagram Live with me to talk about the book. But it was it was really, it was really interesting. I love to write. So one of my I've actually always wanted to be an author, but I never thought it was going to be a cookbook. I thought it was going to be like a mystery book. I had mm. this like little dolphin planner when I was like six and I started <laughs> writing a novel in it. Like, you know, just those 
Weird what was the novel things. about? <laughs> I, th- I could not tell you. I think it was mystery. I think I was influenced by like Nancy Drew and that yes. kind of stuff. But I knew that if I was getting the opportunity to write a book, I really wanted to write in it. So I think a lot of people, when you read a cookbook, right? And I didn't have a co-author. I didn't have like anyone helping me with it. I just, I wanted to do all of it on my own, which is great if you have that help. But I just, I didn't honestly even know that people did that. I only recently found out that people get co-writers. So that's awesome for me. But a lot of times in cookbooks, I find that people just go to the recipe and don't really read the head notes as much. And I like took so much time and care into the head notes. I wrote essays. The book is split up into like a I have four different essays about the places that I've lived in my life and how they've influenced my cooking. I have a love note to peanut butter in there. Um, <laughs> I just really wanted to make it fun. Like I wanted to make it fun to read. I write how I talk and it just doesn't have to be that serious. You know, like I, I want to teach people how to cook, but I want them to have fun while doing it. And I think it's also cool because I was really young at the time writing that book. I was in living in Manhattan by myself, cooking for myself trying to figure out how to navigate this kind of newer world of like living alone and working and and how am I going to feed myself and make myself feel good. Yeah, and I think that book really caters to to that and also to, you know, people who just want easy, delicious and better for you recipes. Yeah, I mean, you you have so many accomplishments at, at such a young age, a, you know, a cookbook author, obviously Thank a TV you. host, a Forbes 30 under 30 oh. recipient. <laughs> I mean, when you think back to you know, you're you're starting off as like the NBC page, getting up super early, but baking up these delicious treats for your coworkers. Like, what would that Sama think of current Sama now? Oh my god, she would have been like, "Are you okay? Like, are you sure? <laughs> like, did you hit your head somewhere?" I'm so blessed. I'm so lucky. I think it's. It, I I think a lot of time. I a lot of the times I used to be like, oh, like it was you know, just a lot of luck, right place, right time. I think it's a combination of that. But like, I worked really hard. And mm-hmm. like, I've, I've been, I used to not say that in interviews, because like, I, I don't know, I was just like, okay, you know, it was just a, such a lucky thing that happened. But I really worked hard for it. And I knew that I wanted a lot for my life. And I have always been driven. But just the way it manifested was just beyond what I ever thought was possible for myself. I think I grew up really shy. Like I didn't, I think that it's funny now though, because, you know, I have a TV show, I have all these things that put me in sort of a public space. And I just would have never thought that that's what I would do as a kid or even as an NBC page. Yeah, I feel really lucky. And and I think most importantly, as long as I'm providing value and helping others during the process, that's like literally the only thing that matters to me. I'm not like in this for, I don't know, like just being in the public for the sake of it. Like I want to use my platform for good. And, you know, that's why I involve myself with, with causes that I care about. Like God's love we deliver in New York. Like I, I work with them closely edible schoolyard. Like I just, if I'm not using my work and my platform to help other people, I just don't think it is worth anything, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I think you should put, you know, motivational speaker on your on your <laughs> next your next thing to knock off the list. Thank you. <laughs> no, it's been such a delight uh, chatting with you. We are going to finish off with a little rapid fire round. And then we have one final question for you before you let you go. Thanks, Jamie. Uh, okay, all, can't right. Wait. <laughs> all right. Rapid fire round. How would your friends describe you? Ooh, loyal and hummus obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Simple ingredient upgrades that make a huge difference. Olive oil get a good olive oil mm. that 
changes everything and spices use spices that are fresh a lot of the spices that are in your grocery store this is not a rapid fire answer but i'm no, talking okay. like these usually aren't i, I okay, would say okay. rapid fire but it's usually just like we should just call it like fun questions at the end <laughs> i'm realizing i just talk so much but <laughs> so do i it's okay <laughs> <laughs> the spices in the grocery store have usually been sitting there for like six years mm-hmm. so i really like diaspora if anyone's heard of diaspora it's an incredible spice masala brand that uses fresh spices and that changes the game completely huge difference yeah dream kitchen feature you know those kitchens that have the most insane florida link windows florida oh, length yeah i want that <laughs> like i just want huge windows i want to be like i'm cooking outside when i'm inside you yeah know? i'm not a big outdoors person like but i don't you want to feel like you're outside <laughs> i want to feel like i'm there but like with the safe windows to protect me from the elements AC. you know yeah <laughs> exactly what is your coffee order well I just did a collaboration with Erwan Market in Los mm. Angeles, and I made a coffee called The Perfect Date, which really checks <laughs> out if you know who I am. And it was like a date sweetened iced oat latte, and it was delicious. So that would be my coffee order. Also, sometimes I just get a, a little oat milk cortado. Mm. Uh, well, speaking of perfect dates, what is your perfect date and not the kind you eat? What is your perfect oh, no. romantic date? <laughs> I really only burst in the ones you eat. <laughs> oh, gosh. I mean, this is like this would probably be the most cop out answer. But like, what if the perfect date was just eating date stuff eating with dates. peanut butter <laughs> and sprinkled with sea salt? You you will know right? that you found the one when, when that exactly, happens. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody take, take notes, everyone. <laughs> I love it. Farmer's market favorites. Ooh, I've been really loving sour cherries right Mm. now i've also been really into what i've been into these days rainbow carrots i always get i got some peas the other day i'm thinking of one thing that i can't remember now i don't know everything (laughs) i just i'm obsessed with the farmer's market i just like also go to walk around and just be in the environment it's so fun get inspired yeah current obsession i mean i guess hummus and dates but hummus and dates that's like a constant Okay, this is going to be a really weird answer, but I just recently found out about the New York City ferry. Oh, yes. Oh, Love the my ferry. God. Love Jamie. The, ferry. <laughs> the public yacht. That's what I call it. <laughs> like, I'm obsessed with it. I like keep talking about it and people think I'm so weird, but like, it's so great. No, it's wonderful. It's, <laughs> you know, it's so cheap. And as long as you plan your schedule correctly, it is the most lovely way exactly. to use public transportation in the city for sure. Exactly. I, I love that. I feel like we need to be friends. I <laughs> think so too. We have to go to Shuket. We have a date. Yes, let's do it. Okay. We're ha- it's happening. All right. Well, our final question, definitely not rapid fire. And, <laughs> and you can answer this any way you want, take it any direction you want. We want to know what would be your perfect food day. So breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert, just kind of take us through the day. There's no rules. So like you can time travel, regular travel, go back in time, you know, whatever, whatever you want to do. Yeah. What a fun question. Okay. So I would probably start my morning at La Note in Berkeley on Shattuck Avenue. They do the most amazing French toast. And I used to get it in college and it was delicious. I would only get it on special occasions though, because like it just felt really like delicious and indulgent. And I was like, I want to save this for when like I'm just (laughs) celebrating something. That would be my breakfast. I would also need something savory after that. So I'd maybe go get some some, like fresh sourdough from Libre Bakery in, I guess it's East Village. They do amazing bread. So Mm. I would get that. Maybe I'd have that with some like, 
It's so basic to say like avocado, but also like olive oil and vinegar. You're from California. Yeah, it's whatever. (laughs) It is what it is. I'm like a big snacker. I just love snacks. So I'm sure I would have to pepper in the day with snacks. But for lunch, maybe like a fatouche salad with some like pita chips and then also some falafel and hummus on the side. Then in the afternoon, I would need a coffee and a cookie. So obviously, (laughs) obviously, (laughs) hello, I've been going to Cafe Integral on Elizabeth Street in where is it like the Nolita area and they do amazing house made non-dairy milk. I think it's one of the only places in the city that I found that makes their own. And so I would do this horchata latte that they do. It's really delicious. And then I would get a little tahini chocolate chip cookie on the side. Mm. Am I missing a meal? Oh, no, I'm not. Okay. And then at some (laughs) point I would probably have to have some dates with peanut butter this is a long food day no that's um, it's, it, that's why that's why we love this question <laughs> because it's it's whatever you want exactly and then for dinner i would probably switch it up and do like a south indian breakfast like okay. for dinner so i would do like it lead dosa i would do like the whole like sambar situation and then for dessert i would need ice cream <laughs> so i would need to do like tahini soft i was gonna serve. say the tahini soft serve yeah maybe. <laughs> i think the tahini soft serve might be the move there yeah i think that would be a good food day was that like enough yeah think? no that's that was that's, that was good right yeah that's funny <laughs> that was fantastic it was a, a very on-brand food day for you <laughs> for is. sure no you've been such a delight to talk to and continued success in all of your endeavors thank you so much for having me it was so nice to meet you Check out Sama's Crack and Egg With episode on foodnetwork.com and make sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a thing. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review. We love it when you do that. That's all for now. We'll catch you foodies next Friday. Foodies.